0: Psalm 46, God is our fortress to the choirmaster of the sons of Korah, according to Alma, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God
2: let's pray. Um, and before we pray, though, I <clears throat> I had thought, um, um, when we come to worship God, we, we should prepare our hearts. And this is kind of what I am trying to do, um, is lead us in preparing our hearts. So um, if we can bow our heads and uh, take a moment um, and consider our lives and consider the things we might need to bring before the Lord, and then I'll pray. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, um, God, we are broken people. Um, We are lost without you. We come um, to your presence um, with humble hearts and humble minds, knowing that we are nothing without uh, without you, and, and uh, God, I pray that uh, we acknowledge Christ in his um, paying our debt, God, for the things that we rightly and justly owe you. Or O to pay it to you, God. Clean our hearts. Um, I believe that you are the only one that is able to do these things. Even as much as I'd like to pretend myself could uh, repent and turn away, um, I find myself hopeless without you. God, help us turn to you. God. Please forgive us for where we fall short. God, help us lean on you and trust in you, knowing that you alone are the power.
1: I pray these in your son's name. Amen.
2: Thank you, Terrell.
1: So as we continue now with our catechism, we're at question number 33. Should those who have faith in Christ seek their salvation through their own works or anywhere else? And we'll say our answer together. No, they should not. And, and our short answer, we'll say this together as well. No. No. And I'll read our scripture this morning from Galatians 2.16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, not one will be justified. People said, Please be seated, and Marie, you could come and pray for our congregation.
3: Good morning, dear family. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, maybe a little battered from the week we've just put in, maybe a little bit bruised by what happened at work, or maybe with family or relationships, or health issues that we're fighting with, or from the fear-laden five o'clock news, but Lord, we come this morning to uh, drink deeply from your well, Lord. We know from whence our strength comes, and we know it's all from you, Lord, because we know that you have the power, you have the wisdom, you have the authority, and we know that we get our strength from you, Lord. We know that you are our creator, we know that you are the great God of wisdom, and we know that you have the authority to change things and to give us the strength that we need to get us through each and every week. Lord, we know you are an awesome God, omnipotent God. We know that you are our Savior, our Redeemer, our, our Provider, our Defender, and you have have blessed us mightily each and every single day if we just take time to notice. Lord, we just come before you today to be reminded of all of the many things that you do for us. We want to have thankful hearts, Lord, and we want to ask you to forgive us for the many things that we overlook in a day, the things that you do for us that we are not grateful for that we don't take time to look at. Lord, we want to just um, be aware of the things that you're doing to work in our lives, the sanctification that takes place each and every day. Lord, you are the one true God, our faithful, loving Father, the one who carries us through the valley of the shadow of death, the one who when there is only one set of footsteps, it's because you carried us that trial. Lord we want to thank you for always holding us with your righteous right hand. Thank you for being there through these difficult times. Lord life with you is so much better than without. Help us to always remember that. Lord we want to thank you for creating this Sabbath day. What a wonderful opportunity for us to relax and to refresh to to drink deeply from this well that you have provided for us. Lord, we just thank you and praise you. Help us to take time today to reflect on how wonderful our lives are because they are provided by you. Help us to think about what it would be like without you in them. Lord, thank you for creating this day for allowing us to have this time. Help us to make the best of it and help us to reflect your glory, Lord, in all of the community around us. Thank you for this day, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
4: done for us, that we, my Lord God, live for you, to bring you the glory that you are due and are worthy of, to be light in a very dark world, that the gospel, the truth of Christ, would be seen in us and through us to your glory. Bless now this time in the Make the words of my mouth your words and the meditations of all of our hearts pleasing to you. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Am I on now? Good to go? Thank you. got to get all my equipment in place first. <laughs> Today's message is kind of a continuation of last week's. Um, last week I spoke to you about justification and sanctification. And I pointed out the fact that when we talk about justification, we really need to also talk about sanctification. And when we talk about sanctification, we always need to be talking about justification as well. Because either of those topics, either of those truths in and of themselves can lead us into error. And so we need to be always cognizant, even when we're focused on one, that the other is also true. And I hope to help us to make that clear over the next two weeks, because today we'll dive a little further into justification. And next week we'll continue with the um, idea of sanctification with the 34th Catechism question. So, I am going to <clears throat> do just a brief review before I read today's passage. Last week, I talked to you about the fact that the law has at least four purposes. And the first one is that it shuts our mouths. Um, and that may seem funny, I suppose, but we tend to say, I'm not so bad. I'm pretty good, in fact. I didn't murder anybody. I'm a good guy. I'm not as bad as so and so. And those are the kinds of things we kind of we tend to say, but the law shuts our mouths because it's a measuring rod that says, you need a better picture of who you are, and and let me paint that for you. The law also provides accountability to the lawgiver, God the Father. He's the one that created the law, communicated the law, and he's the one that holds all of us to that standard. So God is the lawgiver. It also provides us knowledge of sin. See, without it, we don't have that measuring rod we need. God's law provides that righteous standard by which we are all equally measured. And it is that law that is so important for us to know. The law also manifests God's righteousness to us. Romans 1 talks about that from the creation of the world, the invisible things about God could be clearly seen. And it names them, his eternal power and his divine nature. The law does what, what creation by itself could not do. And that is that law teaches us that God is holy, that God is righteous, that God is just, and that God does also judge. And then through Christ, we have a manifestation of, that God is also love, mercy, grace, and peace. We talked about the fact that uh, justification is a legal term. A person is declared justified by the judge, not because they have no guilt, but because the guilt they do have has been covered by someone else. And so the law declares us guilty, justification pronounces us justified not guiltless. And so I also talked about the fact that justification is not exoneration. It doesn't say that I was never guilty. It recognizes that we are guilty. And it isn't vindication. It doesn't say, oh well, you are guilty, but you know what, it was okay. You were right in doing it. No, we are without excuse, is what scripture tells us. And the last thing I tried to close with in talking about justification is this idea that, well, it's more than an idea. What the Scripture communicates about justification is that it's done. It's done. And one of the ways it does that is it places the the word, the Greek word, in the present passive participle form. And just briefly what that means is the present participle means it happened, and it's continuing to happen. It doesn't have an ending. Once started, it continues. That's the present participle And passive means you had no role in it. I had no role in it. It was done to us, for us, by God himself. Very freeing to know that I can't earn it, that once I've been granted it, I can't lose it. I don't know about you, but I find that amazingly comforting. And then I talked about sanctification, but I am going to leave that for next week because I really want to zero in on uh, justification, protection, provision, and blessing. To do that, I want to read (coughs) a portion from Galatians. And... Uh, Then we'll walk through it a little bit step by step. But let me read you the first um, nine verses of Galatians chapter 1. Would you please turn there if you haven't already? Galatians chapter 1. I'm only going to read various sections because I respect your time. And I would rather read the whole thing because the whole thing is needed really to gain context. So here's my challenge to you. After you leave, go home. And when you're home, read it from chapter one to the end. Read it all in one setting. Pretend the chapter divisions are not there. Just read it. And then once you've read it, do it again. And once you've done it twice, do it at least one more time in the same setting. It really won't take you that long. It is important that you gain all of what Paul has to say here to the Galatian church because it brings perspective that you can't get simply with me reading nine verses. But I also want to warn you, as I begin to read Galatians, you're going to hear a tone from Paul um, that is somewhat unusual for him, and I'll explain that um, in a minute. But he's going to be Really, really clear on a couple of things. So let me begin to read. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of the Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. And we have said before, and so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, Let him be accursed. Doesn't sound like our normal sort of uh, don't want to offend anybody kind of message. Um, He's not really concerned whether they're offended. He's really concerned with what they're believing. And I think that is critically important for us to keep in mind. I want us to see today from this passage and other passages from Galatians and other parts of Scripture, the why of justification. We've talked about what justification is, but I think it's critically important that we know the why of justification. We've talked a lot about various aspects of that. But let me walk us through this passage. Paul starts out, and he says, Paul, an apostle. Now that's pretty normal for him you look at all the other epistles, that's how he starts. But it is unique to Galatians that he says the following, not for men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. When a gospel writer discerns that his credentials are so very important for his readers to know that he interrupts His opening greeting to state them, believe me, you better fasten your seatbelts because he is going to be really, really clear. And he gets clearer and clearer as he goes along. Then he says, to all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace. Do you ever just long for peace? Do you ever just hunger and thirst for peace? I do. Could it be that the reason this longing is within us, and this really has nothing to do with my message, but could it be that this peace this desire, this hunger for peace that is within us is part of that image of God that is stamped upon us? It makes me think of those peaceful evenings in the Garden of Eden where Christ would come down and walk with them in the cool of the evening and have conversation, communion, a peaceful walk with our Savior. I long for that. I long for that. Oh, you know, I I know it's probably not the best theology in the world, and it's probably really over-the-top romanticizing, Um, but it's how I feel when I see that word. Paul wants two things, grace and peace for you. And then he actually goes on to describe how it can happen. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, that's where that peace comes from. That's where that grace comes from. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sin. Amen. Gave himself for our sins. People, that is the gospel. And that is justification. Remember, we stand before the almighty righteous judge completely guilty and without excuse. And Christ is given as payment for our sin. Christ given. And he did it himself. He died. That's the gospel. And then it says to deliver us from the present evil age. It's a present reality delivered from Not being delivered, but being delivered from the present evil age. I I need to give a little bit of an explanation there so you don't get confused. The present evil age means the time from Christ until he returns. It's not referring to the New Testament period. It's not um, referring simply to the time after Christ's death, burial, and resurrection and ascension. To the time of Paul. It's talking about all of life, all of time until Christ returns. So he what did he do? He delivered us from the present evil age. We're no longer subject to it. And part of what makes that age evil is a striving after righteousness through works of the law. That's the curse. Galatians 2.16, by works of the law shall no man be justified. And then he says, beginning in verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we were an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached, let him be accursed. Remember Romans 3.24? Christ gave himself for us as a gift. Grace as a gift given to us. Not through works of the law. And that's the distortion in the gospel that Paul is writing against. He spends all of Galatians talking about that. It is a pernicious and terrible and sinful, evil lie that is perpetrated on the children of God even today. And sometimes even by ourselves, we fall into the trap of thinking that we can earn our salvation. And it is a trap. And Paul makes it clear. This this isn't part of the gospel. This is the gospel. The gospel that Christ, by grace, died for us. Not because of any merit that we have. Then he says these strong words. If anybody preaches anything different, let them be accursed. And just in case we miss it, he repeats it for emphasis. Let them be accursed. Now what's he talking about, accursed? It really refers back to Galatians 2.16 again. The curse of the law. It is the curse of the law by which man thinks he can be justified. And Scripture tells us that even if you kept the whole law, you would not be justified before God. Because by keeping the law, no man is justified. Galatians 2.15 We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus, so that we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ And not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Okay, you're probably thinking, okay, Paul, you beat that one up enough. Let's move on. I'm not sure I can beat that one up enough. It is the foundation of the gospel that it is all of Christ and none of me. It is all of Christ and none of you. We are not worthy, nor can we become worthy by any work that we would perform. But I want you to see also that there are some other things that are important for us to remember about justification. And the first one I want you to see is that justification protects us. And it protects us in some very specific way. First, it protects us from our own pride. Pride is, is a, a creature of such mean estate to be seen but once we soon hate, but seen too oft, familiar with face, we soon endure and then embrace. Pride is a creeping vine that will ensnare us, trip us up. All it takes is a simple thought. I'm pretty good. Or, I'm not as bad as they are. Or, look all these things I'm doing. That's all it takes. And pride can take over. We mustn't give it root. But justification is the thing that keeps it from taking root. We must remember that we are justified by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God alone. Galatians 3, 2. Let me ask you only this question, he says. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Verse 4. Are you so foolish? Paul really is not holding back in Galatians. Having begun in the Spirit, are you now perfected by the flesh? That isn't right thinking. So it protects us from our our own pride and it focuses on Christ's finished work for an unfinished wretch like me. And it brings me under the light of His holiness and continually exposes my need. That's what justification does for us in protecting us. And then in verse 6 of the first chapter, Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting. Justification by faith alone, through Christ alone, keeps us from deserting the gospel. Because we can't be fooled by other gospels if we keep that gospel in the forefront of our thinking. Critically important Justification recognizes my guilt and provides for my need what I could never supply, the blood of Christ. The basis of almost all false doctrine is this. Christ is not enough. That's it. There's always something that gets added. All other forms of the gospel are not gospel, Paul says. There isn't any other gospel. This is the gospel. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 2.16 again, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law. Not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will. And then the law protects us from not only distortions of the gospel, but different gospels. And these come from false teachers. They come in two common varieties. First, Jesus is your pot of gold. You can be healthy and wealthy and all of these wonderful things. All you have to do is believe and state it out loud. Proclaim it, and it's true. That is a lie. Um, And it comes um, from probably the most prevalent religion in our world today, and that is selfism. A focus on self. Um, How many of you know who uh, uh, Shay Lin is? (laughs) Uh, At the risk of exposing myself, um, Shaylin is a hip-hop artist. I didn't think many of you would know that. And probably fewer would know that I listened to him. Um, (laughs) I don't really appear to be much of a hipster or whatever you call it. (laughs) Tom, when he starts playing country or whatever, that's about as far as I can. Personally, but I want you to know, and I'm not endorsing Shay, but I want to read you um, the lyrics from one of his pieces. It's called False Teachers, and false is spelled with a dollar sign instead of an S, and teachers is spelled with a dollar sign instead of an S. Now, he sings this sort of, I don't know, hip hop's not really singing, I, it's just kind of changing. I don't, I don't know, anyway. I'm not a fan of hip-hop, but I, I am a fan of Shaylin, um, him as an individual. Let me read you this. There's so many words. Try to hang in there with me. Let me begin while there's still ink left in my pen. I'm set to contend for truth. You can bet we'll offend. Deception within the church. Man, who's letting them in? We talked about this years ago. Let's address it again. And I ain't really trying to start beef. But some of you claim to be part of the sheep. Got some sharp teeth. And cats get mean when you criticize them. But Jesus told us, Matthew seven sixteen, we can recognize them. And God forbid that for the love of some fans, I keep quiet and watch them die with their blood on my hands. So there's nothing left for me to do except to speak to you in the spirit of Jude 3 and 2 Peter 2, two. I know that some will label me a Pharisee, because today the only heresy is saying that there's a heresy. I'll dare to be specific and drop some clarity on the popularity of the gospel of prosperity. Turn off TVN. That channel is overrated. The pastors speak bogus statements financially motivated. Now, one of the reasons I like him is because he gets in your face. There aren't many who would be that direct. Um, he gets more direct, and I'll leave that part out. You can go look it up yourself. But, um, the pastors speak bogus statements, financially motivated. It's kind of like a pyramid scheme. Visualize heretics Christianizing the American dream. It's foul and deceitful. They're lying to people. Teaching that camels squeeze through the eye of a needle. Ungodly and wicked. Ask yourself, how can they not be convicted? Treating Jesus like a lottery ticket. And you're thinking they're not the dangerous type because some of their statements are right. This teaching can't be believed without a cost. The lie is you can achieve a crown without a cross. And I hear it all the time when they speak on the block. Even unbelievers are shocked how they're fleecing the flock. It should be obvious then, yet I'll explain why it's sin. Peep the Bible. That's peep the Bible. It's in 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10. It talks about how the desire for riches has left many souls on fire in stitches, mired in ditches. Tell me who would teach you to pursue as a goal the very thing that the Bible says will ruin your soul. Yet they're encouraging the love of money. To make it worse, they've exported this garbage into other countries. My heart breaks even now as I'm rhyming. You want to know what all false teachers have in common? It's called selfism, the fastest-growing religion. They just dress it up and call it Christian. Don't be deceived by this funny biz. If you come to Jesus for money, then he's not your God. Money is. Jesus is not a means to an end. The gospel is he came to redeem us from sin. And that is the message forever I'll yell. If you're living your best life now, you're headed to hell. And he goes on. I thought it was pretty powerful and pretty spot on in a lot of ways of helping us to see that it's slight distortions of the gospel. It's not always blatant a different gospel. Sometimes it's a blatant just different gospel. And I could give you some of those names. We had a conversation with a woman in our living room um, from out of state. She was visiting family locally. And she started talking about these various pastors that she was listening to and expounding how wonderful they were and all the things they were teaching. And I didn't know any of them. So uh, after challenging her to really think through it, because I asked her the question, so how did you decide to listen to these folks? Well, they're on the radio. They're on YouTube. They're Well, but what do they believe? you didn't really know. So I decided, to look, they don't tell you what they believe. You'll not find a statement of faith on any of their sides, which ought to be a clear indicator that you ought to run in the other direction. If you're not willing to state what you believe, you're not worth being listened to. A second pernicious deception or different gospel or distortion of the true gospel is I've got truth nobody else has ever seen before. That's out there all over it. Um, All you have to do, one example of that is a, a ministry, I use those terms really lightly, a business would be better called Sonship International. And this guy talks about the kisses of God as his primary teaching, and what that means is that God wants to experience intimacy with you through a continuous rapture through the kisses of His mouth. I don't. I, no, none of you are vomiting. I, I I just don't. I don't understand. It makes me want to throw up to hear that kind of garbage, and. And to see that the hits on his YouTube channel are in the millions. He is an apostle of a false gospel. It's all based on emotional experience and, and a hyping up to get you to do what he wants. Guess what that is? Pay for his seminar. Come to his seminar. Yeah. Buy his 49 different books, which are all by the... Oh, but that's not... How about his t-shirts and his... Uh, anyway, okay. Um, and then there's a fellow out there called Tony Kemp. You may not be familiar with that, but I hope you're not. But Tony Kemp claims to be an apostle. And I tried to find out who made him one. I tried to find out when he was determined to be an apostle. <laughs> There's no trace. I guess he just plopped down one day. Gift from heaven. I know I'm being sarcastic. What I'm trying to do for you is to illustrate how easy it is through these various means that are so easily available to us today to get a different gospel and a false gospel, and a distorted gospel. So I admonish you, steer clear. And then, I mean, he's claiming to have new revelations from God, new scripture. But then there's one that's a little closer to home for us. And Paul speaks to it here. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. Anybody know of a religion around today that claims to have had another angel come down and give them fresh revelation? You bet. You bet. Knowing this from Scripture should protect us from that false gospel. Jesus is not the brother of Satan. And that's what the false gospel teaches. But then the gospel also provides for us. It provides for us clarity. I mean, justification provides for us clarity. It's nothing but the blood of Jesus. No other gospel, no other Savior, no other righteousness. We can't buy it. We can't earn it. It's a gift of grace. Amen. But it also provides for us hope. And it's a really special hope because this hope never disappoints us. Never. Romans 5.5 5, Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Justification gives us access to the Holy Spirit who pours, I love that visual, pours the love of Christ into our hearts. And then justification also gives us joy we can't know any other way. Joy. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, You believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. It is a joy that overwhelms you and pushes you to your knees in gratitude for the enormity of the gift that you have received in spite of the truth of your guilt. That's a God of love and grace and mercy. And a God who justifies. Romans 15, 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Justification also provides for us great blessing. Not only do we get a clear understanding of who we are, not only do we escape the um, possibility of deserting, deserting the gospel, it protects us in so many ways from different gospels and false gospels and twists of the gospel, but it blesses us. And now we're back to that verse. Grace and peace. The gospel gives us something this world does not, can not offer. And that is peace. Real peace. Not temporary peace. This is a peace that is ours in the midst of suffering. That's an oxymoron. But that is truth. The peace that passes all understanding keeps our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. It is the peace of God that is a blessing that flows out of the truth of justification. This isn't some theological concept created or brought up by a bunch of scholars in a back room somewhere. This is the reality of the gospel worked out in everyday life.
3: Justified
4: by Christ alone. Peace with God. Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. No longer enemies. No longer strangers. No longer outcasts. Wanderers in a desert land. We now join the Savior in the midst of our suffering at times in the green pastures that feed our souls. In his word, we are bathed, we are clothed with righteousness. Not clothes we made, clothes we were given, clothes that we were not just given, we were dressed in by him. Just like you do your babies, you know, they'd roll around naked if they could. It's because we dress them. That they have closed so it is with us without Christ we are naked. Christ closed us with his righteousness. First Peter 2:25 for you were straying like sheep but now you have been returned, To the shepherd and overseer of your souls, Do you feel the call back to Eden? Not physically. Spiritually. Understanding that the peace, the rest, the fellowship, the joy that was known prior to the fall is ours. In Christ. Colossians 3:15 through 17 and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts justification does that justification is the righteous declaration of God that through grace alone by
2: faith alone
4: in Christ alone we are justified And not just today, but forever. Let's pray. You truly are an awesome God. Not only in power and might and glory and wonder. We come before you with awe. And we sense the beauty of your being through the glory of Christ Jesus, our Savior. Not because of deeds that we've done, but because of the deeds that you have done and the judgment you have pronounced on a guilty people that we should be justified. Lord God, I ask You in the name of Christ to so burn this truth into our minds that daily we call to mind that it is by Your grace alone, regardless of what we've done, through faith alone that was a gift from You, by Christ alone, our only Redeemer that we live and walk and have our being. Be glorified, Lord God, by our walk. Teach us to walk like men and women, upright, as your children, bound to you by the blood of Christ.
2: By your grace, I ask
1: this.